0: Hello and welcome to Jumbocast the podcast. I'm your host, Jared Davis, happy to be discussing all the latest news in sports. This has been a peculiar semester on the Hill, but we are all making the best of it. Jumbocast wasn't able to broadcast any tough athletics due to the pandemic necessitated cancellation of many activities. We didn't want to leave our viewers out in the cold and decided to produce this podcast in place of our normal broadcast. We hope all of you out there are enjoying these episodes of Friendly Banter. With that being said, this will be our last installment of the semester and my last JumboCast production of my career. What better way to say goodbye than to be here joined by my colleagues discussing this week in sports. Be sure to tune back in next month as season two of JumboCast the podcast is right around the corner. Now let's get cracking with our first of three guests, Jenny Liu. What's up, Jenny? You ready for the return of the NBA?
1: Yes, totally.
0: Awesome, awesome. The draft was a couple weeks ago. Were you surprised by the outcomes and what did you think of the draft class this year?
1: Um, I don't think I was really surprised by Wednesday night. Um, this was one of those years where there wasn't like an obvious superstar like Giannis or AD, the top two, which is widely considered LaMelo and uh, Anthony Edwards. They could both be considered hit or misses with like big holes in their games. So yeah, I wasn't surprised to see Edwards come out on top. And there will probably be a lot of rookies out there who will surprise the hell out of us. So it'll be really interesting to see
0: definitely yeah you were um we want to I want to talk about LaMelo Ball a little bit more you just kind of addressed that issue right there saying that you think Edwards probably should have gone number 1 there was a lot of hype um you know the ball family um so you think it's a good fit for LaMelo heading to um play for Michael Jordan
1: No I mean <laughs> Michael Jordan has like uh, the the worst track history as like an NBA owner. Um, I think that the right choice was Edwards going number one. I don't think Lamental Ball is good for anyone really just because like, I think he's unreliable um, and he doesn't have like solid experience. He didn't play college. He only played 12 games in Australia. So we've never seen him go up against real competition. We don't really know what he's like. So taking him is really a big chance. And from what we saw with um, his older brother, I think it's really best to avoid LaMelo until he gets more independent and like more separation from his dad, who I think is like proven to be a bad influence. Although, I mean, you got to give it to the guy. He has three sons in the NBA now because LiAngelo just got signed. So he's doing something right, but I'd still be wary of him. And yeah, LaMelo just has holes in his game, definitely on the defensive end. And he's not, he's still like a pretty um, unreliable shooter at this point.
0: Yeah, definitely. A lot of players come in to the NBA needing to work on their shooting game. But um, I think something you note pointed out was kind of the maturity level. It seems like the Ball Brothers, especially Lonzo before him, he's not a really loud, ostentatious character. But just um, growing up underneath the shadow of his father and then coming into being this really popular icon in basketball is a lot to shoulder for such a young man. And uh, hopefully Lomelo can can really thrive in that atmosphere. But we'll see what happens. Um, Some of the other teams that maybe that snuck under the radar and drafted some players you might consider any sleeper picks. Any of those teams you see in the draft this year?
1: Well, I think the Kings scored big time with Tyrese Halliburton because he wasn't supposed to be available at that time. Um, And personally, for me, he was a top 10 pick, although. There's some debate, but I think they really won by getting Halliburton. He's versatile and good on defense, and I could I think he could do great things. And RJ Hampton to the Nuggets is another one of those choices for me. And also Precious Achua, I think, is another athlete that we should keep an eye on.
0: Some Good stuff, good stuff. Right after the draft, there was a ton of free agent signings and trades. What stuck out to you? Who are your winners and losers so far? Uh, Waller Westbrook, who won the trade? <laughs>
1: Okay, well, if we're going to start with that, I think that's been the worst trade so far. I don't think either of them is winning. Um, I don't think either side of the trade is that great. I know Russ desperately wanted out of Houston. And I I understand the trade because um, the Rockets got a number one draft pick in return with Wall. And it probably wouldn't have gotten that in a trade with any other team. So I get it because like the Rockets are a mess and they know that they need to rebuild, but John Wall and Harden will not be good. John Wall is basically Russell Westbrook, like a worse West Russell w- Westbrook. So that's just not gonna be a better fit. And um, in terms of for the Wizards, I mean, we'll really see, but I think um like if I were to choose from either of the two teams, I do think the Rockets won this trade. And then um, for good trades, I think the Lakers are absolutely stacked right now. They got so many signings and trades, and they're all good ones too, like Wes Matthews, Marcus uh, Montres Harrell, which is a crazy one and makes me pretty happy because it's upsetting the Clippers, and Dennis Schroeder as well. So they're just stacked, and I don't really see a world where the Lakers don't repeat this season, especially with those new names on the roster. And I think the Bucks also upgraded –
0: So what rankings do you have so far for the East and West?
1: Um, Well, for the West, obviously Lakers on top. Um, Nuggets number two. I don't see any change there. The Clippers, I'm going to carefully put third. But Paul George is on thin ice and really needs to get his act together or else he's going to be considered as the worst trade of NBA history. Um, I think the Mavs are going to take a huge step this season with Luka. And also, we're going to see Dame Lillard and the Blazers try to compete again. And I think we're going to see Golden State jump back into the action with Steph Curry. I know that most people have dropped their hopes for them um, because of Clay and his injury, which is very unfortunate. But I think people might be underestimating Curry um, just because we haven't seen him in so long. And also, Oubre um, and Wiseman will be there this season as well. Um, In the East, Milwaukee number one, and I think Miami number he. Uh, for the second seed. I think people have a lot of high hopes for the Sixers this season because they have made good moves in trades um and also with the draft, but I think that Boston is still a much more balanced, reliable and just like better team overall. And just like with Golden State in the West, I think the Nets are going to be top 5 with KD and Kyrie back, but the rest of the team like we don't know how they work with them yet. And also Katie and Kyrie staying healthy will be a huge factor in how they do. Of
0: course, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying there. Just a quick little questions for you. What about um Denver in the West? What about Phoenix? And you did you did I don't think you addressed Harden and the Rockets? Are they going to be a contender this year without Russ with some of the pieces moving around?
1: No. I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, if they're playing small ball last season, like they weren't, they were knocked out very easily. And I don't think it's going to get better this season. I think it's going to be worse with Wall. Um, Denver was very exciting to watch in the bubble. And I have high hopes for them as well. But obviously, I mean, they're not going to defeat the Lakers.
0: Oh, I don't think anybody really has much of a chance to defeat the Lakers. But you never know with injuries. Um, just the pandemic, things can change in in an instant. So you never know. You got to be thinking about some of those teams that are out on the edge who have been looking good, trending in the right direction over on the East, though didn't even talk about the defending Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat, Um, good young team with some good young players. The talent there, though, might not be able to match up with some of the other big name teams. But uh, what are your prospects on the Heat possibly trying to make another run back into the playoffs?
1: I talked about the Heat. I put them in my... (laughs) sorry. Yeah, I think the Heat are going to be great. I mean, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan, so I'm biased. But yeah.
0: My apologies. I must have misheard you there Um, already. So she's hot on the Heat. I don't know about that. I'm not so hot on it. That's probably my own opinion sneaking in there. Um let's finish it all up on a high note because my fantasy basketball team is the best. And that's I know exactly what you're gonna say. I've got some great things to look for. And th- thanks so much for joining us. The slightly forgetful but never forgotten
2: Trevor Russo. How's it going, Trevor? Slightly forgetful. Where are you getting that from, Jared? I have never forgotten anything.
0: Oh no, never.
2: Never. <laughs> all right (laughs) uh well we're here now um and you know what i have to say jared that was the weirdest week of nfl football i have ever seen in my entire life um yeah lots of uh surprises as you can say uh uh-huh oh you can say that again um well i don't know there's so much to to talk about but uh you are yeah, I can, you are the host. I'll, I'll so, uh, ask my hard hitting questions, let's see. if oh, I'm ready, I'm ready. Can, uh, adapt on
0: the fly. So we have the NFL entering week 13 and the playoff pictures really starting to take shape. Um walk us through some of the matchups this week that could have some serious implications for the playoffs.
2: All right. So, so we've got a uh, well, let's at least go through the standings right now. Uh so leading the AFC East we've got Buffalo at 8 and 3. Miami is 7 and 4 right behind them. Uh New England is a distant 5 and 6, so I don't believe they'll be contending for the division any longer. Um got Pittsburgh at 11-0. Uh Cleveland is actually 8 and 3, but I I'm, I'm pretty sure the AFC North is locked up. Uh Tennessee actually had that big kind of surprise win over Indianapolis last week. They're 8 and 3. Uh, the, uh, sorry, the Colts are at seven four now and Kansas city pretty much has the AFC West locked down, uh, at 10 and one, your, uh, your Las Vegas Raiders got, uh, absolutely curb stomped, um, by, uh, by the Atlanta Falcons. So that kind of puts them out of contention there. They never really were in the first place. Uh, no offense. Um. So, we've got the NFC East, of course, which is, uh continued to be very sad to look at. Um, they, the, the football team probably, actually, I'd say looking the most impressive out of all the teams so far. Uh, with that really good defense, I think they have the second best pass defense in the league. Uh, Giants, of course, on top with the tiebreaker. Uh, Philadelphia, I'm going to have to revise my earlier prediction. I don't know if they'll win a single game for the rest of the season. So they might be out of the running there, although they are only half a game out. Um Green Bay at 8-3, they've got the AFC North or NFC North locked up. Uh I think New Orleans is just right now, even though they've got Taysom Hill, they're cruising and they've really been able to handle Tampa Bay well this year. And uh and then of course we've got the uh NFC West, which you know might have two to three playoff teams uh there in the division. So you know right now actually it's it's pretty cool um the there there's the potential for there to be uh there's right now there's 3 AF NFC West teams in the playoffs if the season ended today which is pretty neat um there actually is a chance to be four but uh the buccaneers would have to fall out so i guess if we're looking through the schedule here uh seeing how everyone the potential for everyone uh to do um so you've got Cleveland Tennessee I'd say that's probably huge uh for the wild card picture as of course you have uh right now the uh the Titans are on top but the uh the Colts are you know trying to to cling to a wild card spot after losing to the Titans so this this has implications for the Titans who are the 3 seed the Browns who are the 5 seed and the uh the Colts, who are the seven seed right now, uh, and then all those, you know, lower tier teams. Uh, if Cleveland can fall out of a playoff spot, that would be very advantageous. It seems like Las Vegas and Baltimore. Uh, you've got. Um, Rams, Arizona, that seems to be a humongous game, considering. uh considering the Rams and the Cardinals are separated by a game right now, uh, even though the NFC is a significantly weaker conference. uh, And their biggest competition, actually, for the playoffs is Minnesota right now, which is really interesting. Um, You've got, yeah, actually, looking through this schedule, there's not that many uh, marquee matchups. I'd say this is one of if not the weakest uh slate of games that i've i've seen all season Uh, most definitely but there
0: are a lot of important matchups i jumped over seahawks giants where giants i guess
2: yeah i guess seahawks giants uh that's yeah oh yeah that i'm sorry you forget that the giants are leading the nfc east yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah, yeah that one uh, bad analysis for me right there. Uh, yeah, Seahawks Giants of course is going to be really big. Uh, the question is whether Daniel Jones's hamstring is actually going to be ready to go. If it is, then uh, you know the Giants actually have been playing really good football over the last uh, couple of. They've been looking good. Couple of weeks. Um, of course, you know beating the Bengals last week with Brandon Allen. So I don't know how much an accomplishment that is. Uh, but Seattle, of course, having that terrible pass defense uh you might you might look at the eagles game last week and be like okay well they're they're starting to improve no no they're not they're uh the the eagles do not have significant weapons at that's outside and they also have carson wentz the human garbage fire as a quarterback uh which is something that somehow the giants do not have uh you've got i think kind of like one of the last stands for the new england patriots uh in new england versus the Chargers, uh, I'm pretty sure New England at this point in such a strong uh, AFC needs to at least win out or or only lose one game for the rest of the season. And the Chargers, you know, they may not be winning games, but they're playing everyone tough. Uh, I guess if you want to identify Washington-Pittsburgh, uh, that is going to be – that's a Monday Monday afternoon <laughs> – Monday afternoon game, you know, with all these COVID moves, uh, Washington Pittsburgh is going to be actually pretty huge for, uh, well, first of all, you want to see if Pittsburgh can keep their, uh, their undefeated title going, you know, of uh, course, looking uh, shaky as they have the past couple weeks, despite, you know, winning a bunch of these games, almost losing the Jaguars uh, close one with the Ravens who essentially did not have most of their football team. Uh, and Washington who I believe is actually the best team in the division uh are going to need to you know keep keep their wins going uh Dallas Baltimore I guess is also pretty interesting uh cuz Baltimore as as we've talked about has been has really just not had the season that they had hoped uh sitting at 6 and 5 the passing game has regressed to a remarkable degree and with that comes the regression of the running game uh and Baltimore like I said really strong AFC they're going to have to to definitely take some wins from uh Miami or Indy uh to make this happen. Uh and then I guess finally, Those if I had to say right? one more, I'd say that uh Minnesota um okay. actually is an interesting dark horse team right here. They are at the outset of the wild card picture. They've looked really good with uh uh Kirk Cousins has looked a lot better over the past couple of weeks. And if they can if if let's say Arizona uh loses to the Rams and minnesota wins uh arizona and minnesota are tied for that seventh wild card seed so i think minnesota is definitely a team to watch the stretch i agree with
0: that i also did want to touch on that bill's niners game the late game on monday night the bills- oh, of course they're set up in the for the playoffs and the niners are still right in the mix so if the niners can get a huge win against a pretty potent bills team this year um that would be huge something also to Pencil in on your calendar, you know, after a good long weekend of enjoying football, you come Monday night and you feel like something's missing, but then you get a good matchup between the Bills and Niners this Monday. Definitely tune into that one. Wanted to head over to the MVP discussion. The race has been a hotly contested one this year. Rodgers has proved he's his old self. Russell Wilson has started cooking, and nobody can contain the kid, Kyler Murray. But with all that said, we still haven't even mentioned – the odds-on favorite, Patrick Mahomes, who just went 37 for 49 with 462 passing yards and three touchdowns. So who do you think will end up with the award coming into the, the year? You think it's going to be Mahomes, or do you think one well, of
2: the- I honestly think that, uh, that, well, of course, it depends, I think, on how these two play down the stretch. Because, you know, we all were talking about Russell Wilson as the odds-on favorite about, like, what, four or five weeks ago? And then uh, they started to let Russ cook and then Russ, you know, started cooking and no one was watching the pot. And then the pot started to overflow and then spilled everywhere as he, uh, I believe he threw, uh, he had three interceptions or three turnovers through the first like four weeks of the season. And then it, it ballooned to like 10. There were a couple three pick games for Russ, uh, games where he clearly was just slinging the ball into open defenders arms. Uh, I think Russell Wilson is out of the discussion. Uh, if we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, he did have that uh, terrible game against the moved and such an outlier. I do think that it should be Patrick Mahomes. I understand the Rodgers argument. I understand that, like, the weapons that uh, that uh, that Mahomes has are, like, substantially better than—not uh, substantially, but if you look at besides, like, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, which I think that leans in Green Bay's favor, You've got all these uh, other wideouts. You've got the the tandem of Edward E. Lair and Bell uh, who, you know, they're not actually, they really haven't been as spectacular as they needed to be, but they just don't need to because Patrick Mahomes, the thing about him is, you know, you you kind of think of Patrick Mahomes as the guy who can make all the throws. He's just this guy who chucks it down the field, but he is just the thing about, uh, I was watching, uh, this great analysis uh, by Brett Coleman of Carson Wentz. And he was talking about the difference between, like, Carson Wentz trying to play like Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes playing like Patrick Mahomes. Which is that when Patrick Mahomes sees a situation that he doesn't like, he's willing to just take it, tuck it, and run. He's willing to dump it off. He is an incredibly intelligent quarterback within all facets of a game. And I think, ultimately, the only thing that'll stop Patrick Mahomes from being the MVP this season is not his performance because i i expect i don't expect a bad game out of patrick mahomes i don't think you can at this point i think what's going to happen is Rodgers is going to continue to play really well and then either people are going to uh you know look at the sort of talent disparity a little bit between rogers uh core and uh the chiefs core i don't know how i didn't mention travis kelsey versus robert tanya and that's a pretty Pretty big outsized matchup in the Chiefs favor. Uh, I do think that Patrick Holmes should be the MVP. I I think that maybe because of the fact that he won two years ago, there might be a little bit of bias against him winning again. I think it should be Mahomes. I, I'd say maybe it's about a 60-40 chance that Mahomes does win, though. Interesting. Okay, I think you are right in that prediction. What
0: about Derrick Henry? Do you think he is in the question at all? I know being a running back a little more difficult, but he stands at uh, 1,250 yards, five yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. Um, Those are some pretty good numbers through only 12 weeks. He has um, four more games to add to that total. You know, he's averaging up over almost a hundred yards a game, and uh, with a over with what is that a touchdown every game, so if he ends up with uh, sixteen hundred seventeen hundred rushing yards, sixteen, seventeen touchdowns, I mean that's a pretty good clip for a running back. Do you think he's in the question?
2: Uh, I don't think he's in the question until either Mahomes or Rogers has a rough stretch of about two two games or so. I would remove them from the conversation. I feel like when you have two players at this point playing as well as Rodgers and Mahomes are, you you cannot introduce the question of a running back until one of them starts until one of them starts to struggle. I think that's when you that. No,
0: I think you're right about yeah. that. For sure. It's just uh, you know, no, they're,
2: they're, he's definitely playing well. Maybe there's a chance that uh, you know, offensive player of the year, uh although yeah. maybe they'll give one of them to MVP to Rodgers. or Maybe at Mahomes and OPOY for Rodgers or something, but I definitely think that one of the running backs, either Henry or Dalvin Cook, uh, should probably get that award, the Offensive Player of the Year. Yes, I agree.
0: They're really helping their teams turn it around, and really some of the key focal points on their teams. But I also agree that the Chiefs and the Packers would really be nothing without Mahomes or Rogers. So you got to understand why the awards go to the quarterbacks, but. Something to think about. We'll see how it plays out. And my last thing for you, Trevor. The the Buccaneers and Brady. The Buccaneers and Brady, what is going on? He looks so good. He started getting it rolling. And now things are things are there's trouble in River City. What's going on here? Man, I get what I Not get what is trying, oh. Uh
2: what what'd you say? As, you think
0: Brady has fallen off the proverbial cliff finally, or do you think it's just a uh, little growing pains right now in Tampa Bay?
2: I think he's definitely playing fine. I think that, I think the the, the chatter around him—he's—he's he's definitely not playing as badly as, as people would say. But they're definitely not playing as well as they should be, considering all those weapons they've got—the the quality O line, they've got the, uh, the wide receivers, the running backs uh, are all really good. It's just uh, I I don't I don't agree with Arians' approach right now to trying to motivate Tom Brady. Um, I think the thing that that works for Brady is uh, I, I don't, okay. He, he's, you know, he's a guy who, who enjoys the spotlight. And I think that while Arians calling him out in the media over and over again, may, you know, he may think that that's motivating Tom, but I think it's just breeding resentment at this point. Like you, you've seen some of the really pointed, like direct criticisms from Arians about, uh, about Brady's play. And, uh, you know, like completely throwing him under the bus. I think someone asked him about Arian's play calling, and he said that Brady calls most of our plays. Uh, I I think that Brady's been fine. I think that they've actually just had a really tough stretch of opponents. Uh, That Saints defense is really, uh, really impressive this season. You've got the Chiefs. Uh, I think if we look at Tampa Bay's remaining schedule here, they have a bye this week. And then they go to play Minnesota who should be a much easier defense for uh for Tom to play then they've got Atlanta twice and then Detroit so those are they've they I think they've got a a stretch where they can really just kind of cruise into a into a wild card spot here um I mean the Rams have a really good defense Kansas City has a really good defense uh they've faced three quality defenses like maybe three and then patrick mahomes i think they'll be fine i uh i i don't know if okay maybe brady's hit the cliff with or not hit the cliff but maybe i mean his deep ball clearly has not been what it once was um but i think brady will be fine i mean he's playing a lot better than a lot of quarterbacks right now so
0: agree with what you're trying to put out there. I don't know for sure if I would consider his play necessarily fine.
2: 11 interceptions in 12 games. Well, actually, you know, what? something that I, I saw a graphic uh, the other day that was really interesting. And it was uh, every quarterback in their first season under Arians as like either the offensive coordinator or the uh, the head coach. And it goes like this, 2001, Tim Couch, 21 interceptions. You have Andrew Luck, 2011, 18 interceptions. Uh, you have, ooh, who's the middle it's guy? Uh, I know Jameis. Uh, it was, oh, Carson Palmer in 2012, 22 interceptions. Then you have Jameis Winston, of course, last year, 30 interceptions. And now Tom Brady, uh, 11 interceptions. So... It may be like it could be just the system of Arians is one of incredibly you know Arians is known for like big plays down the field. Reward, I uh, get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean he yeah, does so twenty-eight it, I think touchdowns
0: it, and three hundred, yeah, three thousand three hundred yards. So he's he's throwing the ball for good good yardage and he is getting some touchdowns. But um, you know just the highlights and some of the decision making you do see and you you're, um, you're left scratching your head just a little bit, but. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, think I don't think the the well. I think it's also the losses to teams like Chicago and the Chargers that also perplex people a little bit. A team that looks so good against some of the better teams and then can go in to Chicago and uh, L.A. Chargers and just not show up that day is what kind of confuses some people, especially with a pretty good defense on the other side of the ball. They shouldn't be losing to a team that can't put things together offensively. So um, it's a little bit strange. We'll see. Maybe maybe the bye week gives them time to recharge their batteries and come out strong and make that final push to get really firmly in the playoffs where Tom is used to being. But um, we will see, as we said, a wild, wild week here in the NFL.
2: And We didn't talk about any of the COVID stuff, Jared. We do. Was like Let's, the big – All right. I don't know. I'll do a little recap, I guess. So, Okie dokie. Let's see what you got for the COVID. I guess – I don't know. what. I, I, I want to have a little discussion before we uh, we head out here. Um, the disparity between the response to the Broncos and the response to um, to the Ravens. I understand why. Um, I understand why, like, the NFL's logic. I don't agree with it. I understand because, you know, the Broncos, it was just isolated to their quarterbacks. While the Ravens, it was like 30 players. But then I just also don't understand the uh, allowing the Ravens to even play that game this week. I mean, what, they had, I think, 28 positives? It's not like a positive just goes away. You know, they were just waiting for any new positives. And it, it, I, I don't know. I a lot of people, uh, a lot of executives reportedly and and players uh, are really, really angry about the uh, how the Broncos were literally allowed to play with a... Practice squad wide receiver who hadn't played quarterback since Wake Forest 2018.
0: Trying to make do the right thing for the community and really support the com- the community, American community in general, in the best of the way that they can. Um, they try to make some really great statements. Sometimes they try to really help out people in need, but ultimately it's a business and um, still in this country, most businesses are run by specific individuals with a specific agenda. And um, it's kind of sad to see when football is such an important sport um, to the culture of Americans. And uh, some of the things that just need to change sometimes um, take quite a while. And sometimes it takes something like this to really make a big difference. I mean, no one really wants to see um, players that aren't really, aren't really at the professional level or, or especially at that position Um, on a prime time game, um, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. It's not the same product, and I think the NFL will really have to think about things very seriously before the playoffs and also before next season. So um, yeah, the
2: playoffs are a big issue there. I think the yeah. thing is, right, if they had some sort of like written policy like, okay, here's what we're gonna do with the game if there's more than high positives, it seems like they're they went into this season just kind of hoping that no one would get sick right that That's kind of what they've done up to this point and overall they've been i guess if you put, want to put quote unquote successful that they haven't canceled a game but i mean the nfl canceling a game would be um i don't ever see them doing that at this point to be yeah. honest if the ravens game never got canceled it's just i wish there was some sort of like established protocol like okay here's what we're going to do with these games we're going to build in a week 18 and a week 19 we understand this is a non-normal season so we're going to allow for some flexibility but um it's just definitely annoying to see that they're just like well we're just gonna kind of see how it goes which it's the biggest it's sports wild. industry in the united states should not be like chucking it at this point
0: yeah they just it's just a lot of moving parts they didn't really know how to cope super well and it yeah like you said it's a little bit of an embarrassment but um this you know this year this season in all sports has been just an up and down roller coaster ride and it seems like that ride is uh almost coming to an end here um on this podcast for us being our last episode so glad to have you here with us trevor on my of course, last of course ride but uh thank you thank you
2: and i will talk to you soon have a good one trevor All right. See you, Jarrett. Thanks for all you've done. It's been a pleasure working with you, sir.
0: Likewise. And now we head over to the Athletes Corner with Sam Brill. Sam Brill will be talking with Jack Racine on the Tufts football team. Sam,
3: here you go. Thanks, Jack, for joining us today on the Jumbo Cast podcast.
4: Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here.
3: All right. So as a freshman on the Tufts football team, How has your role shifted since the end of last season and throughout the summer?
4: Well, obviously this season's a little bit different. But coming in, you have a bunch of younger guys who have never been away from home. They can't go back or see family or anything. So, like, you kind of got to take a leadership role, help them bring them along. And you also can't, like, really just, like, hang out with them on the side. So it's, like, it's different. It's tough. You got to work on different ways to communicate them and bring them along. Um, So I guess it's just more of, like, a leadership role since we're like the only people really on campus with them that can see them.
3: So even before you get to campus, walk me through your summer. What do you guys do to stay in shape?
4: Uh, well, Dan, the, the head training conditioning coach, sends out like his normal thing. It's like a week-by-week a week, uh, workout schedule plan. And once again, this year is different because we don't all have access to the same like weight room training since so stuff is closed down, gyms weren't open. So at least for me, like I had to set up in the garage and stuff, so I was able to do some some of the workouts. Um, and then the rest is on your own, like running, staying in good like condition. Um, it's kinda on your own and see what you can do. Like I know I like I have people nearby, like Cam Cardi and other kids who I can like work out with. Um, and it's always good to like just even if no I'm not a receiver, just run routes for Cam, stay in shape. Um, I know last year I was like training for the like, conditioning tests, um, just stuff like that to just Make sure you're focused and coach Savetti will send out like uh, emails every now and then just like get in touch and have, make sure everyone's still so focused on improving and getting a little bit better for next season.
3: Now, every year, the goal is similar to progress as a player and as a teammate. Do you feel like you've come back to campus having progressed and do you feel like your teammates have done the same?
4: Um, I feel like we have. It's Again, because you're not in full practices, so it's hard to tell but definitely I feel like me and the other freshmen are coming with a much better understanding of the playbook just because we had meetings in the off in this year going over film and stuff which we hadn't done previously so that was a good advantage to have um and I feel like obviously every like all the kids come in have gotten have another year to have gotten bigger gotten stronger put on some weight um I know I've come to this season healthier I've been doing physical therapy for the past eight nine months so that's that, that's, like, a lot different because I wasn't healthy at all last year, so this is nice. Um, but, yeah, I feel like everyone's done their, their fair share of getting better improving and just coming in as a better football player than they were last year.
3: So you mentioned that you guys aren't in full pads, in full practice. What have you guys been doing?
4: So we've been doing our uh, socially distanced practice, and it's kind of changed a little bit. So we start out where, like, all of our drillers, we got to literally stand six, fo- uh, six feet apart from our position group. We're broken up into smaller groups, so it's, like, never more than 10 more than 10 people together like like in your like practice like cohort is what they're calling it um but like after a couple weeks the university kind of like like let up like they were allowed to let up but like let us do like a little get a little more like press like hands-on contact and stuff but then this past week they said no more of that and like whatever like we're still getting stuff done but it's a little bit shorter practice you're not together with the team. So it's a little bit of a different vibe. So like the other day, like we had to do like an introduction of all the freshmen because like we haven't met some of the freshmen from other position groups. So it's just weird. Like you don't like, and the freshmen don't know all the older kids. So everyone doesn't know each other. So you're just getting there and it's kind of a different vibe, but at least we're getting on the field. We have film on our off days. So we're putting an install on our playbook. We're getting all that done. Uh, we're lifting twice a week. So it's good that we're getting out there with everybody, but it's just a little different feel. Um, and we're getting used to it, we're making the most of it. So you said you guys are in the weight room now twice a week. How is that different from last year? Um, it's almost like an added aspect of cardio because you have 25 minutes, and at least three of those minutes are dedicated to sanitizing and cleaning your rack. So you gotta get through an entire lift in 25 minutes, so it's just bang, 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 and that's exercise. I remember the first day doing it, everyone's like out of breath, we're like, wow, that is that's just different it's like we're doing the same exercise the same lifts sometimes there's a little less reps um, so you load a little more weight but either way and the finishers are like more condensed so it's it's different but you're still getting a workout at least we're in the weight room together it's nice to be with the guys in the weight room you definitely miss that in the off season and with the whole um, quarantine going on um, but still it's 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 a different feel because it's just rushed and you're going from one exercise to the next and it's it's a lot but it's fun being in there
3: absolutely and you said that you miss being with the guys in the off season and and during the summer, but it's also not exactly the same. Can you walk me through
4: anything that you feel is is really missing from this team right now? Well, we're missing a ton of guys like I know a lot from our sophomore class we're We're missing at double digit guys probably um just who want to like like no, nothing wrong just like went to go virtual this semester or took a gap semester um and then there's like guys from every grade that did that, so we're definitely missing a bunch of guys. Um, obviously, we're missing a season, which is probably the most important thing right in there. Um, so there's definitely things that aren't that don't feel complete. We're not spending a, a day in the oval uh, playing a game once a week. So there's definitely stuff we miss. We're missing some traditions and stuff. But I mean, hopefully, we get back to it possibly in the spring, but definitely next fall. So you said there's a possibility of it coming back in the spring
3: as of now do you think that playing spring football is a possibility
4: i mean we all stay positive and we hope for it obviously we miss when we want to get back to games um i mean that's way above our heads we don't we don't know we don't really know much about it but you're trying to stay optimistic you're trying to prepare yourself for it um the last thing you want to do is be able to get cleared for a season and then not be ready uh physically or mentally for it but We don't know uh we're just kind of taking it day by day get better each day and if we do have a season that's amazing if not we're prepared for the fall
3: and you said that you guys are doing everything you can to be mentally prepared so what are you doing out of the field off the field and out of the weight room in the film room and and in
4: the classroom to really be mentally prepared for the season when it does come we got film sessions twice a week by position group go over and install because a lot of the freshmen don't know and it's also been a full season since we've done it um we've made some changes we're just going over film trying to improve uh go over last year's film um so we're definitely getting in the mental reps where we can um again it's not quite the same because we're not even in person for film we're on zoom so it's definitely a little different you got the technical difficulties of course but um you don't have like present game film to go over just last year's uh, but we're still doing what we can, um, improving, learning new installs. So we're, try- we're trying our best here, and it's definitely been productive so far. All right, Jack, thank you for joining us
3: this week on the JumboCast podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: And now to our resident expert on all things
5: soccer, Owen Fitzsimons. Owen, how we doing? Not too bad, Jared. not too bad at all, sheltering from the snowstorm, so ready to talk about some uh, some soccer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been a cold day here on campus, but we're happy to talk about a little bit of soccer, lots of interesting things going on right now, both internationally on the continent of Europe and for the Champions League. Um, Let's start off with the Champions League, who do you... Let's talk about some of the matchups that we saw this week and see who you think has a good chance to make it all the way to the cup final.
5: Yeah, so this week it was uh, the group stage, the fifth game out of the six that they'll play. So lots of moving and shaking happening. There was actually on the Tuesday, three fantastic games, which all kicked off at three. Uh, Atletico Bayern finished 1-1. Liverpool Ajax finished 1-0. And Porto Man City finished uh, 0-0. Um, those games, uh, I mean, obviously have ramifications on the groups. So currently as group A stands with Bayern and Atletico drawing Bayern are through for sure. And Atletico now have a two point lead over RB Salzburg, uh, which they will hopefully uh, look to maintain with their game next week. Um, and then Man City and Porto also top their group Man City on 13 points, um, and Porto on 10, both mathematically insured to go. So it was just kind of about seeding. Um, Porto needed a win to uh, take the first spot and get in like get an easier matchup in the first round. Uh, the real interesting group, Group D, Liverpool with its victory over Ajax, um, currently sit in first place in that Group D with Atalanta in second place and now Ajax in third place. So Ajax not going to get automatic qualification as things stand right now. Although a big game next week as they are within one point of second place, and then they could also qualify through. Um, the additional team that's added in out of the top two. Um, and then on the Wednesday, the big match was PSG versus Manchester United, where PSG came to Manchester and won 3-1. Kind of just an absolute mess from United's perspective. Um, managerial mistakes. Uh, Fred, the United center fielder got sent off. After he should have been sent off in the first half, he got sent off in the second half. And... Everybody is, is seeing the managerial blunder that was leaving him on the pitch because it was just always going to happen. Um, and the manager didn't take him off. Uh, Dortmund also drew with Lazio. Uh, Barcelona pretty easily dispatched of uh, French Farros. Um, and Chelsea easily saw of, uh Sevilla uh, 4-0. So that's kind of... Uh, the Champions League match recap, uh any of the groups I didn't touch on, Dortmund and Lazio go through in group F as it stands right now, but Club Bruges, the Belgian side within two points of Lazio, so uh the last game next week or in two weeks still matters. Um in group B, Borussia Morgan Gladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk are currently going through ahead of Real Madrid and inter Milan. So that is a that is a very big game. And then in Group H, PSG are now top on nine points, uh, on tied with United on nine points, and also tied with RB Leipzig on nine points. So huge, huge game week next week.
0: Definitely a lot of exciting games coming up next week. I uh, like specifically how you touch on some of those groups. You did a lot of focus on Group D, saying that one might be the most exciting one to watch. And I totally agree with three teams, definitely um, having chances to make make some waves if they do go on to the knockout rounds. Group B, I totally agree. It's very surprising that Inter um, will be at the bottom of the group right now, but they still are alive um, as long as the Real Madrid game does not end in a tie. Inter can go on head-to-head um, if they do win their game. Uh, down to Group H, though, too, is where all the excitement's really happening. That United-Leipzig game is going to be Going to be one of the deciding factors of whether you got to deal with United in the knockout stage or if they're um, going out. Switching gears a little bit, let's head over to the Premier League and talk about what's happening this upcoming week. What's just happened and how things have shifted at the table.
5: Yeah, so we are recording this on the Saturday evening. So there were several games today that I'll talk about. Uh, currently, this morning, first match: Burnley won, Everton won. Uh, a good result for Burnley, who have only won two games this season, um, and Everton looked so dominant in early days. So kind of a fall from grace recently for Everton. It's it's been a consistent trend. So see if the if they can bounce back and turn their season back around. Man City versus Fulham. Man City two, Fulham nil. Man City jumped out to an early two-goal lead inside 30 minutes and. The game was basically boring from then on. Um, West Ham United versus Manchester United was a fantastic match with West Ham going 1 0 up in the first half, going in at halftime 1 1, and United firing back. First goal from Pogba, an absolute screamer. Ball may have gone out of bounds, but VAR didn't have enough to overturn it, um, followed by a fantastic first time finish from Mason Greenwood on, on a turn. And then Lashley Rashford, who actually missed a couple of easy chances, kept things off. Um, Now let's take a little look at the way the table
0: is lined up and how maybe possibly some of the games tomorrow may affect the
5: way things look. Yeah, so for a while there at the beginning of the season, the top of the table looked like nothing we had really ever seen before with Everton, Villa, Leicester all up there. Um, Things have kind of – normal service has been resumed, I think we can say, with Chelsea sitting top on 22 points, but they've played uh, an extra game. Tottenham and Liverpool both a point behind with a game in hand, so if either one of those teams win, uh, Chelsea goes down. Um, Manchester United on 19 points, so with uh, level Chelsea's points with a win with their game in hand, have only played 10, to Chelsea's 11, but would still be behind on goal difference. United currently sitting in fourth. Man City on 18 points in fifth, and Leicester uh, in sixth. It's more of a, a classical, I think, for the last five years, top five and six. Um, that you've been accustomed to seeing. Uh Everton now all the way down in ninth, Villa down in eleventh. Granted Villa have two games in hand, but yeah, the I mean the big shock at the moment, uh Arsenal down I say shock as if I'm not pleased, but Arsenal sitting down in fourteenth on thirteen points. Um pretty embarrassing start to the year for them. Um and they play Tottenham tomorrow, which is obviously their their Derby match, so it will mean something to them, of course. But I mean they've just looked poor um, other games tomorrow, Sheffield versus Leicester. Not a huge amount of ramifications. Leicester should be winning pretty easily. Sheffield have not been good this year, certainly not as good as last year. Liverpool versus Wolves at 2.15, another huge game. Again, Wolves last year would have given Liverpool a real challenge, but I don't see it. Raul's hurt this,
0: year, this week too. No, I don't think Raul's going to play. so um, Oh, right. Re-
5: we don't know if Raul will ever play soccer again. I mean, he, <laughs> fractured, he fractured his skull. It was oh, yeah. a, a yeah. very, very serious injury. So, so, yeah, obviously very unfortunate. And I was watching that game and hearing it in the empty stadium, like you could actually hear it. And it was Yikes. like, oh, oh, horrible injury. Hopefully, hopefully everybody's okay. Great player. A um, um, um,
0: lot of future for Mexico's national team aspirations. And uh, hopefully he can recover. Uh, an exciting player to watch.
5: Absolutely. Um, The last two games tomorrow, West Brom, I mean, it's actually the first game at 7am versus Crystal Palace. It's a little bit of like bottom of the table fodder. Not really interesting now because like, they don't get that many points down there anyway. So we'll pay more attention at the end of the season when teams are fighting for relegation. And Brighton and Southampton, another kind of uh, middle table clash with, I guess, I mean, Brighton are, are 16th, but yeah, it's it's a game Southampton should be winning, but I think Brighton will give them a good game. Brighton have had a poor start to the season, but they have some they have some players, so I think that'll be a good game. Yeah, I, I
0: agree, I agree. I will definitely be tuned in tomorrow while I work a little bit on and off and check maybe football as well, as Trevor outlined some of the fun we have in store for us coming soon this weekend. Um, lovely talking with you. and any last things you wanted to talk about?
5: Um, not really. Just if, uh, I guess this probably won't come out before then, but uh, the secure Grand Prix is tomorrow for Formula 1 and it uh, should be a good race. So if you've never thought of giving Formula 1 a watch before, you should uh, just try it. It's, it's, uh, I've only started following it the last couple of years. It's a, it's a great sport. Very scientifical if you're into science. but yeah, Very it, really.
0: cool. Very cool. Yeah, I do enjoy it. Watching Formula One racing from time to time, and there's a good suggestion from the man himself. Oh, and thank you, thank you, nice having you on the show. Hope to talk, do it again with you soon.
5: Yeah, thanks, Jared.
0: All right, have a good one. That concludes this episode of JumboCast, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in all semester. Stay tuned for more content next semester. I'm your host, Jared Davis, for the final time, signing off. Have a good one, folks.